Well, today in our journey of securing the bag, you know, that uh, journey of, of getting all that we, we need and, and beyond for our lives, today I want to just focus on the fact that, uh, that securing the bag for us as followers of Jesus really is about a joyous journey of giving generously. That's, that's what we get to be a part of, is part of a, a joyous journey of giving generously. And it's easy, it's easy to miss the joy of generosity. Um, uh, and maybe you, you can relate to that. You get overwhelmed with the, the needs of the world and it just gets overwhelming. You grow numb or you grow angry or you grow ashamed or, or guilty. It's easy with the, the needs that are around us to, to feel that way. I remember my grandmother, the only, only grandparent that uh, I, I knew uh, was Nanny, my mom's mom. And, and, and Nanny, she, her, she was 16, a teenager during the Great Depression. And so, you know, before uh, the depression, uh, her family was one of the owned one of the first car dealerships in the state of Alabama. And so they had a nice two story uh, little uh, uh, little back cottage and a house and a little little compound. Um, And then the depression came and it became uh, they they then had to make a duplex. They lived on the top floor. Another family lived on the bottom floor. Uh, another family lived in what was a little little house uh, in the the back of the the, the back side yard. And, um, and and so that formed her a lot when it came to to money. And then, um, but she also had a great sense of responsibility for those that are in need. You know, hence the family. You, you take people in. You divided the house. You did what you needed to. Um, and yet she also, this was really her downfall. She valued and trusted the mail the, that came in the post through the post office. Um, because that's what she grew up. Though there were, she only knew personal letters, you know, or official letters in the mail. She didn't know junk mail till about like her fifties or sixties, you know, and I grew up with junk mail and I knew exactly you know, how to avoid it. She didn't. So she would get that and she would just, she said there was a time when she dreaded going to the mailbox because she knew there was going to be something that showed the needs of the world. And she just felt some kind of obligation. I'm like, nanny, you got to just, just chunk it. You know, we didn't have recycling in those days, but you, you just got to chunk it. That's, you, there's plenty of other needs in the world, but it had led her to miss the joyous journey that God desires for us of giving generously that we'll see in our passage here. God, God desires us to be on this joyous gen- journey of giving generously. And we'll see uh, this uh, from the Apostle Paul in his second letter uh, to the church in Corinth. Um, it's chapter 9. We'll start with verse 6 through 15. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word. We thank you as it speaks to us of your truth. And now help us to receive what you would have for us uh, uh, so that we would truly uh, recognize that, that we're on this joyous journey with you. And, and how what you've some of the things that you've set aside for us to, to do and how this, this cycle of generosity works uh, open our minds not only to hear it but to receive it in our soul so that it it affects what we do with our hands and our feet and our pocketbooks we give it all to you for we know you are the only wise god and we want the joy and pleasure 
the abundance of living with you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so uh, start in chapter 9, verse... Uh, Six And the basic context is that Paul has been um, working with the, the churches in Corinth and, and around, and he's collecting money for the, the church, particularly in Jerusalem, that is on very hard times. That's the, the larger context. And I encourage you if uh, yeah, to take the opportunity to read even uh, chapter 8 and 9 um, together to get the whole uh, context. All right, starting with verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you. Because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So so Paul, he outlines here this joyous journey of giving generously. And and the first thing that he lays out to them, verse 7. Give as you've decided in your heart. Make a plan. For generous giving. I mean, that's really what he's saying. Think about this ahead of time. Make make a plan. You've you've decided in your heart. It's an interesting little sideline to recognize. You know that the heart in the New Testament language largely is not feelings. It's not emotions. It's commitment. You know, when he says, decide, "Has you've decided in your heart?" In, in those days, actually, the feelings were uh, they they usually. Um, uh, physiologically, they're bowels or kidneys is where that's where your feelings came from in, in those days. Um, uh, but for them, the heart was the commitment. So it's like make a commitment, make make a plan. That's uh, an essential part of this joyous journey of gener- generosity. Set aside money that you need to live because we all have those needs to live. And then, and we'll talk more about that next week. Or if you want to um, explore that, remember uh, we got online the budget discussion from Thursday night a couple weeks ago. But set aside the money that we need to live. 
set that aside, and then the, the rest is to, to be used you know, to, to give to the needs that are around you. So the more you make a, a plan and maximize it with efficiency what we need to spend, then the more we can participate in giving generously to others. So set that, that aside, and then that enables you to give cheerfully. Not out of guilt or shame or anger or coercion, but freely as God has enabled you to do. Um, this, this, this week, this Thursday night, um, that we were, we're going to be talking about how to leave a financial legacy. Um, and uh, uh, Tim Johnson will be speaking uh, this uh, Thursday night. And you'll also, we're going to raffle off a free bank. Uh, uh, that just helps us remember to do that. You know, it has four different spots where, where you, where you save, give, share, and spend. So added, added, uh, extra benefit to coming Thursday night, um, uh, for you, Tim. But a, a great way not only to learn, but also to pass this joyous journey on to others. So that we, we correct the, the, the notions that so easily can turn to, to anger or, or shame or numbness. But recognizing the joyous journey of generosity. And, and the key thing is to see that this is how God gives. We, we want to give cheerfully. We want to be a part of this joyous journey because this is how God gives. God gives generously and cheerfully. Um, look at uh, verse 8 in this uh, passage. It's right after we're told that God loves a cheerful giver. Then it describes, hey, this is God. This is God's a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I mean, there's four alls. He wants to make it clear to you that, that God has, has the grace and gifts of everything that we have. Providing all that we need for our, our sufficiency. Providing in every way and at every place. This is the generous, uh, liberal giving of God to us. So first, make a plan. You know, give as you've decided in, in your heart. And then the second thing to do is to, to make a list. Of all the things God has given to you. Just every, every day, just take, take a moment, take 60 seconds and just pray like my daughter Clara did one, one night when she just prayed at dinner with her eyes open and just started naming everything she saw. It got a little monotonous when she went, got to the forks and the knives and the napkins. But that was her prayer. I'm like, that's a good habit. You know, just pray for everything. Notice all that we have. Make a list of that every day. I've gotten in the habit of opening, you've probably noticed, opening most of my prayers with God, thank you for this day and for this moment. Because it's not something I deserve or I've earned. It's a gift from you. And the more we, we recognize, yeah, God is such a giver and we all that we've received from him and we celebrate that, then that leads us to this joyful journey of giving. And, you know, it doesn't take long to just take a look. I think even in this moment that you're in the right mind. You, you have a healthy body to be here. We have connections uh, online to be able to participate in this worship service. You have relationships with people who care. You have water. You have 
heat, that you have um, provision for all of your protection from the elements, right? Right here and now. And, and then just open the eyes of things around you. Go down to the river, marvel at its power and beauty. Watch as the leaves turn around us and see God's beauty and his gifts. And, and if you have come to place of faith where you uh, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you know you are secure in him. And so joy is what fills us. Even tomorrow when we uh, celebrate uh, the, the, the life of Phyllis Nagley and we celebrate the power of the resurrection, we'll be able to, to celebrate her even at death, even, even her, her, her death because of COVID. During this time of, of, of deadly virus, you know, we can still celebrate because of the sure and certain hope of the resurrection from the dead. Because God gives generously and cheerfully. Let's make a list of all that God has given to us. So, so Paul recounts that with them as well. This is who God is. He says, that's why he quotes then in verse 9, he quotes Psalm 112. That God is one who gives. And God is the one who provides all the needs. And it's the nature of God to give. John 3.16, one of those familiar passages. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is the nature of God. All grace, all sufficiency at all times and all places. But there's one more all-encompassing word. He all sufficiency, all times, all places, all grace for every good work. So that we get to participate in this cycle of generosity. We get to participate in the very nature of God who is a cheerful, generous giver. We get to do the same. He gives to us. Not just to provide for our needs, but even more so that we get to give like he does. This is the, the cycle of generosity, of godly generosity. God gives us, he gives you, he gives me more than I need, more than we need. So that then we get to participate in this joyous journey. You know, and the thing is, everybody knows this is true. Even in secular settings, you go read psychology today, go read the sociological surveys. They'll tell you over and over and over again, there's study after study after study that shows after we humans, after we meet our basic needs, money becomes less and less pleasing to our soul. What, what makes folks the happiest, what makes them the most joyous is after their needs are met, they get to give. It lines up with all kinds of indicators. The, the happiness quotient, the health quotient, life expectancy. All of those things increase as we give. They're part that just shows up over and over again. The, the, the first hundred thousand dollars for the most part really helps meet the needs and satisfies. The second hundred thousand dollars becomes more often more of a drudgery than a joy. Unless we give it away. That that uh, study after study after study show they, they, what they're showing is how that God's abundance and, and and God's truth really does bring life, and we are getting an inside look at this from the very source. 
So we, we make a plan, we make a list of what God has given to us, that indeed God provides more than we need so that we have what he says in verses 10 and 11. We get to participate in the harvest of righteousness and gratitude. Again, this, this is his agricultural metaphor continued at the very beginning where he says you, you sow bountifully. You, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. It's keeping with this agricultural metaphor. He says now the harvest is righteousness and gratitude and glory to God. If you, you read on in verses 10 and 11. God gives us what we need so that we can sow abundantly and then reap abundantly. Now, the health and wealth gospel says, yeah, if you give money away, God will give you more money. That's how they interpret that. That's not what Paul's saying here. He he doesn't say you're going to get more money. He says you get what you need. You get something better than money. You, You get the joy of giving generously. You get a harvest of righteousness, of thanksgiving, of glory to God. You, you get really your purpose in life. The eternal purposes of life are to give glory to God, to enjoy God, to give glory to God forever. So he's provided for us what we need and beyond so that we get to participate in a harvest of righteousness and thanksgiving and gratitude to God. It flows in verse 13 flows out of a submission to God and an acceptance of the gospel, the generous gift of Jesus who gave it all. See, it's the very nature of God. So actually the the third step in this, so there's make, make make a plan, there's make a list of all that God has given you, and then third, really, make a life that falls deeply in love with Jesus because as Jesus told us, as students, the, the student, a right, a right student will begin to act like the master. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Or you've seen those pictures where dogs start to look like their owners. Or the owners look like the dog, depending on really who the master is. So really for us, man, as we fall deeply in love in Jesus, as we get to know Jesus, as we explore and hang with him, his his sense of generosity and grace is going to rub off. As we are, are filled and attentive to the spirit of God within us, the spirit of the one who who is the giver within us, that, that will continue and form us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. A cheerful generous giver. And the result, the harvest, is is a lot better than cars and houses and money, precious metals. Because a day is coming, you know, when cars, you know, they're they're really, if if there are cars in heaven, they're not going to cost anything. I don't know how it's going to, I mean, because we're told they're streets of gold. So maybe it's just for walking or who knows. What that'll be. But houses, well, God's already provided the house. They're free. We're, we're told that. He, he's gone to prepare a place for us. There won't be a stock market. There, there, there won't, won't be um, money. There, it won't, won't be there. I mean, so all of those kind of things are, are good, necessary gifts right now. But then they're going to they're gonna be gone. And then God will make a new heaven, a new earth, will renew us in Him. And what is, what is eternal are, is the harvest of generous giving, is the glory of God, the, the beauty of His splendor. 
generosity and love. Remember, love is the one thing that remains. So the harvest is not the temporal things of this world because those one day will be meaningless. The harvest that we get to participate in on this journey is the eternal glory and beauty of God. So I encourage you, as as you... um, Consider your giving, the way that you give, that you give abundantly so that uh, you want to sow abundantly so that you reap abundantly the joy of generosity and the, 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 the joy of God and the very character of Jesus. You get to participate in the eternal celebration of thanksgiving to God by you and by others. As, as you, as we give every Sunday to the, to the work that the church is doing. We know that we're, we do so with thanksgiving, knowing that that is providing for us to be able to gather and worship. Know that it provides for our, our fellowship, our, our communion, and then enables us to participate in a variety of other ways that we give to others, not only financially, but also with our lives and tutoring, mentoring, mentoring in evangelism or discipleship with like Alpha or with growth groups. Or that we give to the global workers uh, that connect with us as a church in Iraq and West Africa in Europe. And this holiday season, uh, we get to participate uh, with um, both Christ Community and College Hill in, in giving. And you'll be receiving one of these on your way out with th- for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, p- provision for those in our, our, uh, in our community that uh, need food this holiday season. And also those across the sea through uh, Operation Christmas Child, through Samaritan's Purse. I want to close the, the, the sermon with this short video of the Operation Christmas Child that really sort of captures this cycle, this joyous journey of, of generosity uh, that gives a harvest of thanksgiving and glory to God. Again, this is just a short one. That's just one way that we get to see this particular journey lived in a two-minute video. The joy of seeing a child open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. There's squeals and screams, and they are so excited to see what's inside their box. We have seen the joy in the faces of the children in such an amazing way. Oh, my goodness! Every shoebox gifts represents the love of God to them. We are so excited. Many of the children receive the shoebox for the first time in their life. I tell you, because I have never have this gift in my life. This is my first time having Canada here. Thank you, thank you. What a great gift. I get a present. I get to know who Jesus is. But not only that, I get to be discipled in his ways. Volunteers around the country love being a part of Operation Christmas Child. It's time to make a shoebox. Let's do one together. We have a job to do. Arriba las montañas, hay muchas personas no alcanzadas que necesitan de Dios. Y es un reto grande que tengo. 
de llevar el evangelio por allá yo estando niño de dos años me pegó una enfermedad de la polio pues no podía caminar para las cosas de Dios no nos impide nada y gracias a este niño se está ganando muchos niños para Cristo The kids and the families that accepted Christ, almost a hundred all together, have now started a church. Hemos visto una experiencia preciosa, grande, verdad, en el pueblo. Y ese pueblo va a ser el medio para llevar el evangelio a otro lugar. Que estas bendiciones que son de las cajitas sigan llegando hacia arriba en la montaña. This shoebox gives us an opportunity to continue to shine the bright light of the gospel in the darkest and remote places around the world. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you uh, that uh, you give us the privilege of being a part of this 